what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. Travelers, and welcome once again to the Before and After Show. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. I'm your other co. I'm your other ho-host. Whoa! <laughs> this is a different podcast than. Uh, <laughs> I think you got us confused with uh, the. I don't have talking good... talking dirty and leaning left. What? <laughs> I don't know. I'm talking your... dirty and leaning left with Ryan Buell. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, Ryan Buell. That's me. I have butchered this. All right, next. Uh, so this is week three of our grand experiment. Um, that sounded more nefarious than it should have, but whatever. Um, this is week three of the before and after show summer movie extravaganza. Uh, no two years have been the same with this. Uh, the first year, uh, it was simply the transition into doing movies people had, you know, heard of. And then the second year was the launch of our YouTube channel. So I think we've been doing that about a year now, Mm -hmm. uh, which is crazy. And this year, we're actually kind of uh, splitting responsibilities. I didn't say duty this week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We've been splitting responsibilities and then kind of coming back for the the bigger releases. So um, the first week, it was before Guardians, and we both gave our expectations for that. And then... The second week was after Guardians, where we talked about it in depth, and then before uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, which mm-hmm. Ryan saw um, solo. And then last week we came, and uh, Ryan gave the full rundown on King Arthur, and I gave my expectations for Alien Covenant. So this week, I'm going to talk about my reaction to Alien Covenant, and then Ryan is going to talk about his expectations for Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, I believe is the subtitle on this one. Um, But there is still time, Ryan, if you want to see Baywatch this weekend, you can switch it up, sir. Uh, I want to gouge my eyeballs out. The hotly anticipated uh, Baywatch movie that everyone's been asking for. That's that's, uh, sarcasm, right? No, I, I, everyone I know has been like, man, why don't they turn Baywatch into a movie? That That's a show that should be a movie, definitely. And while they're at it, they should also do Chips, maybe, too. Remember Chips? That's what people I know say. He's holding up a sign. It says sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but before we do all that, uh, Ryan, what have you been uh, consuming this week? What have I been consuming this week? Well, I had a lovely... Steak ta-ta before coming over. I was wondering how long it was going to take you before you made a joke like that. And it was honestly more weeks than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Slow on the uptake. Slow on the uptake. Uh, This week I have been consuming a few, a fair few things. Uh, I have been, I started watching the Star Wars Rebel series. Oh, how is that? It's actually really good. First season is very kiddy. You feel it definitely finding their feet. The end of the first season is really good, really dark, and is a good payoff. Uh, and then season two, uh, I'm going through right now, is really good. Feels like they've kind of they've got the beat down, 
uh, I'm kind of or like the pacing they've got down, mm-hmm. like what what's going on, and um, we just wa- I just watched the episode two or three days ago that introduced like I don't know if you know the the B wing, which is uh-huh. Star Wars nerds will know that kind of how that came into the Star Wars canon, which is really cool to see. Um, and it's got the right amount of kind of dark tones that you would expect from a period this particular period in the galaxy with everything that's going on. Darth Vader. He's like prominent in the series, which is really cool to see, and he's a legit threat, which is a lot of fun. He's you know, it's not dumbed down for kids, like oh, it's, it's, it's done well. Um, so that's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, movies, I feel like I've watched something on Netflix because the other day I was I was skimming through Netflix, and Netflix has got quite a few crazy choices, yeah, for, for watching stuff, but I don't, I don't remember watching, I don't remember what I watched. So something on Netflix. Okay. Random there. It might come to me later. Um, that's what I'm consuming. Um, trying to do a lot more reading and a lot less watching YouTube. Honestly, I watch a lot of YouTube. Okay. Because that's just a black hole you fall into. Yeah, it is, like, man. Like last night, I watched, I started watching Craig Ferguson clips because I okay. love Craig Ferguson. Mm-hmm. I used to watch the Late Late Show, I think was what mm-hmm. it was called. Watched a bunch of stuff with him. And then I end, somehow ended up watching... Uh, Ricky Gervais when he hosted the Emmys a couple oh, of times. Uh-huh. That's a lot of fun. Awkward to watch because yeah. he's really jabbing yeah. the Hollywood press, which is kind of, or the Hollywood star, Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, I kind of agreed with about 80% of what he was saying, but I felt like, ooh, I would have hated to have been him there. Yeah. And but um, they invited him back the next year to do it again, which yeah, is he did crazy. It four times, did he? That's what he said. That's insane. Uh, I imagine probably because the ratings. Yeah, that's every true. time you know. That's true. Um, but his he I well, my favorite part, most awkward and kind of uh, part was where he, I guess the previous year he had made a joke about Mel Gibson mm-hmm. uh, and something that happened with him about you know the whole that yeah, whole thing yeah. Mel Gibson went through. Yeah. You know, cannon fodder for comedians. So last the, the year before, he had made fun of him. And then the clip I watched last night was a year after the fact, and he had to introduce him as oh, one of the presenters. yeah, I remember you know when that happened. About? Yeah, and, I watched that. And then Mel Gibson, after uh, Ricky Gervais introduces him, Mel Gibson comes out and says, well, thank you for reminding me I need a colonoscopy. And then Ricky Gervais coming back out and having some words, and I'm thinking, oh... Mel Gibson could kill you. In fact, he said just as much. Like, let's find another way to silence you, my friend. Whoa. <laughs> like, and like, very awkwardly, like, neck held ill. Oh, it was... There's no... Yeah. It was, it, was, it was awkward to watch, but entertaining at the same time. Uh, anyway, so that's, that's what I have been consuming this week. And you, good sir. Uh, a lot, weirdly. Um, so, uh, and then I tried watching The Pink Panther... Mm-hmm. And the aspect ratio, I found out, for whatever reason, on that DVD, <clears throat> when it was playing through my PS4, it was sending a signal to my TV. The DVD was reading it as though it was a 4x3, um, the square TVs, yeah. when I have a 16x9 widescreen TV. So it was putting up black bars on the sides, mm-hmm. and so the picture resolution was all off. Mm-hmm. And yes, all I had to do was go into the video settings on my PS4 and zoom in, but it became a matter of principle. And I was like, if they're not going to put the time or effort into making sure this DVD reads correctly in machines, like, 
I don't have time for it, man. Like, oh, Garrett, granted though, that DVD is pretty freaking old. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but I could probably find the movie on Blu-ray and it would work. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up stopping that, and I ended up popping in a movie called My Favorite Year. It's a movie that's been on my watch list for a while. I hadn't seen it. It. Do you remember a television sitcom from the early '90s called Perfect Strangers? Oh. That sounds really familiar. It was about a guy whose cousin from a foreign land came and lived with him, and they were roommates. Yeah, yeah. He, the guy's like a French dude. Yeah. And the other guy's an actor that no one's heard about in a long time. Yeah. Got like curly hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark, exactly. You're talking Mark about. Paul something. Yeah. So that guy's the main character in my favorite year. Okay. Um, and it was before Perfect Strangers. It was the first major thing he had ever been in, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact. And he plays this guy who's a writer on a late night television show. Um, called the King Kaiser. I think it was King Kaiser. Um, mm-hmm. But he was modeled after Sid Caesar, the person who did the original Tonight Show. Okay. Um, not Tonight Show. Steve Allen did the original Tonight Show. Uh, but he was he was part of that like TV variety thing. But it's also in the 50s when all television was live. Yeah. And um, they are... They find out that they're booking this guest on who's basically like an Errol Flynn, if you know who Errol Flynn is. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the old-timey swashbuckling Sword guys. Fighter, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Douglas Fairbanks, one of those types of guys. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, they show old clips of him, and they're basically just remakes of Errol Flynn action sequences, but with this actor in it. Yeah. But the actor is played by Peter O'Toole, who Ooh. from Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. Um, and when he shows up, he's, like, completely wasted. And he is, like, they're like, he's so drunk. And he's like, would a drunk man be able to do this? And he, like, does this somersault onto the table and then immediately passes out on the table. <laughs> and so this, they tell him he's kicked off the show. But this freshman writer really looks up to this character or to this actor and so he, like, makes the case that they shouldn't bump him from the show. And they basically are like, okay, fine, but you have to babysit him. Yeah. And so it becomes kind of their misadventures in the week leading up to him being on the show. And it's loosely, very, 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 very loosely based around Mel Brooks. Um, because Mel Brooks was a writer on the Sid Caesar show. And it's very, very loosely based on a time where Errol Flynn came and did the show. Uh, um, okay. But Mel Brooks has said, like, literally the only thing that it has in common is I was a young writer and an older actor came to the show. I never met Errol Flynn. He didn't mm-hmm. interact with any of the writers. He was not super drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not a burnout. Uh, it was literally like I worked on a show where one of those guys was a guest. Yeah. And we like wrote sketches for him, but never actually interacted with him at all. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of the other writers are based on uh, uh, Sid Caesar writers. Like there's a character who can only whisper his thoughts to other characters. Okay. And apparently that's Neil Simon, the or based off of Neil Simon, the guy who wrote The Odd Couple. Yeah. Um, that's based off of him. And he would often do that in the loud writer's room. He would just whisper his ideas to another guy and they, they would be like, Hey, Neil said this. <laughs> um, so <laughs> an effective the, way to work. Yeah. Um, and so 
it's just like it's just like a really great charming movie about these two characters making a connection nice um and like peter O'Toole's an incredible actor i've always liked him so uh he just like is amazing in it he's so funny like i laughed so hard at this movie man did you ever see a really old one with him it's uh peter O'Toole and oh film critics don't flog me uh she's in my fair lady uh cultural icon hepburn yeah okay. uh, audrey hepburn right mm-hmm. yeah uh movie uh, or Catherine? is it audrey or Catherine? Uh, the lady that played uh, i think it's audrey hepburn okay yeah I'm audrey hepburn was in breakfast at tiffany's as well yes okay but audrey hepburn Woo-hoo! thank you sir um, Peter Tool and her were in a movie called How to Steal a Million. Oh, I have not seen How to Steal a Million. Oh, you need to see that. Their their chemistry in that movie is amazing, and Peter O'Toole is just hilarious. Love him that movie. I just, so the only movie, the only other movie I'd seen with him is Lawrence of Arabia, which mm-hmm. he's incredible in, but yeah. it is not a comedy. Yeah. Um, and so it just, like, I did not know that dude had such good comedic chops. And, like, he oh. does, he does some hilarious, uh physical comedy in it they um his driver his private driver has this whole system for how to deal with him when he's passed out because he Mm -hmm. usually has to deal with it when he's alone and they basically tie a belt around his hands and like string him up on the shower curtain and he's just like unhand me you knave but like when when he does that he pushes his the brim of his hat over his face and he's like i'm blind (laughs) (laughs) and they like uh there's like great like reveals so there's like a scene of them there's a scene of them walking down the hallway and uh they're only shooting them from the chest up and so it's the guy from perfect strangers and peter o'toole walking side by side down this hallway and they're talking back and forth and peter o'toole's talking with them and then the camera pans out and they're pushing peter o'toole on his luggage like he's not actually walking it's so great there's so many like really funny clever visual gags in the movie it's my favorite year it's really good and then it becomes this really heartfelt love letter to like why we look up to our on-screen heroes and it like it got me kind of misty like it was it's weird because i feel like i'm this guy who talks about how maybe i talk about over nostalgia so like i'm not super into nostalgia but like nostalgic thing isn't bad sometimes but in moderation like people who are overly nostalgic are missing out on the present yeah but uh the movie itself is very nostalgic but not in an obnoxious way although if you're someone who was not into like super sticky sweet sappy saccharine stuff I probably avoid the last 30 minutes of the movie. Mm. Um, but like the payoffs are really good. I don't know. It's just a really solid, funny, kind of off the beaten path movie. That's called what again? My favorite year. I need to look that up. Yeah, I think you would really enjoy it, man. Just, just your description of the shower scene. I'm dying. Just Dude, it's hilarious. And then they like, when they stand him up off the luggage, uh, the perfect stranger guys goes, uh, try not to fall. And he immediately face plants into the wall. Like his, his timing on it though is perfect yeah. like he rates he he waits the perfect beat to smash into the wall and like <laughs> it's kind of a fearless performance from him yeah. that i just would never have expected if if you, if you like that which now i need to see that one you i think you'll love how to steal a million it's a it's a classic oldie but a goodie yeah um a lot of big names in it actually um none other names i could think of but i know them they've been in other movies 
Um, <coughs> the, did you ever see The Good, The Bad, The Ugly? Mm-hmm. You know the guy that played The Ugly? Mm-hmm. He's in How to Steal Money. Oh, weird. He's, he's one of the big characters in it, so. Yeah. But, uh, just a sweet, great comedy. Something kind of serious happened today at the time of this recording. Um, it, by the time you're hearing this, it was a couple days ago. Um, so the the the... The news story aspect of this is Zack Snyder is exiting his responsibilities from the Justice League film. Um, the movie's totally shot. It's in post-production now. They're getting ready to do reshoots. Uh, um, but for the most part, I think structurally it's there. I think they just need to get the pickups that they need from reshoots. Uh, you know, the close-ups and emotional beats and inserts and stuff like that. Um, and then kind of edit it all together and have it ready for November um, to kind of facilitate that process. Joss Whedon is stepping in to do that. Um, that's not the important part of the story, though. Um, and the important part is the reason why uh, Zack Snyder is... This is going to be a bummer, by the way, uh, just so you know. like this, is, It's going to get serious uh, on the show, which is something we uh, try to rarely do, but I think this is important um, to talk about. So the reason why Zack Snyder is exiting the movie is because two months ago, his daughter committed suicide. Um, No word on which daughter. Uh, It doesn't matter. Um, He has eight children. Um, I guess had eight children. Um, From a couple different marriages. Two of them are adopted. Um, He adopted them with his current wife, Deborah Snyder, who is a producer on all of his movies. Um, They adopted those two children during Man of Steel. And, uh, so two months ago she committed suicide and, uh, Zack Snyder, they hadn't talked about it publicly. Um, this is the first time anyone's actually even found out about, uh, that. And they announced today that that was the reason why he was stepping down. Um, basically what happened is he tried to use the movie as a coping mechanism. Um, He kind of tried to throw himself headlong into obsessing about the movie to numb himself to the grief that is 100% natural when a tragedy like that happens. Um, And kind of saw the effects that trying to ignore it had on his family and him. And so he's stepping away to go and sort through all this grief and uncertainty with his family. Um, I have some stuff to say, but Ryan, do you have anything to say about that? Uh, honestly, no. I, I mean, condolences to the guy for for losing a part of himself and losing his daughter over something so tragic. But um, respect for him, like uh, I'm sure you'll mention as well, for stepping down and not trying to Hollywoodize it and muddle through and just make things worse he wants to take care of his family first and i respect that yeah absolutely that's kind of where i landed on it too i got like pretty broken up about it not because uh uh, i mean because someone died obviously and that's sad um but i just got really like teary-eyed over it maybe because i'm a husband now but i got really teary-eyed over it because i think it shows a lot of uh bravery and integrity um for him, uh, from him, I'll say what I will about his movies and I'll continue to be critical about his movies if he continues to make bad movies. But, uh, you know, I don't know him personally. I've never met him. But based on that alone, the guy has like 
props from me forever. Um, I'm sure the temptation to go headlong into this post-production process was immense. And that's why he tried to do it for two months. Uh, he had he had this thing he could fill that hole with right there in the in front of him, and uh, I think I think that would be a really easy thing to do, but he had the integrity and the soundness of mind to make a decision that is one. I think he's established it's not going to hurt his career too much, and I think he knows that. Um, but he made the best decision to make for him and his family, and. It's just really cool to hear about someone in um, such a greedy business uh, make that decision um, to say, hey, like, no, I want to work this out as a family. I want, you know, this is my third marriage and I want it to succeed. This is uh, my seven remaining children need their father in this moment more than they ever have in their lives, you know. Um, and so I like respect forever from that man. Like that's that's a huge decision. And probably not a popular one um amongst some of the people that he works with but it's i don't know i i i really i don't know it just kind of like really hit me and i was like man mm. like way to be zack snyder like good on you um in in that moment to to be that self-aware of it and to just kind of step up and lead your family like that like you know to be the person that they need um rather than to kind of slip into this uh into this industry that can kind of swallow people whole yeah. um i think that's that's uh i don't know that's that's really big of him and and uh well i'm like we said it is the right thing to do but in when you're in a situation like his the right thing to do is probably pretty hard yeah <clears throat> um so yeah uh that we don't really have anything else to say about it there's not a lot to say it's kind of a situation that leaves you speechless um mm. but we do say there's no way you're gonna hear this but um Snyder, uh good job man um i respect that integrity a lot as uh you know hopefully a future father and a current husband um i think that's a really good example to set for for uh young aspiring film buffs and filmmakers who look up to you um, I think that's that's a cool that's a cool thing to do. Um, it's the right thing to do, and I like that decision. Um, you know, our our prayers are with you. Um, and yeah, if you're if you're the praying type, uh, please pray for the Snyder family. They need it um, <clears throat> the way we all need it. <laughs> um, you know, true. they're celebrities, but they're people before they're celebrities. Like they were they were people before they were famous, and they yeah. continue to remain people. Um, and so they're, they're in need of that kind of stuff, uh, as much as we are. Um, yeah. Um, also if you are, uh, depressed, reach out to someone, um, you know, uh, here we've made no bones about <coughs> being Christians. Uh, we would say, you know, find your local church or your Christian friend if you are not one, or if you are a Christian, someone in your circle of Christian friends, uh, who you can, you know, talk to and pray with, um. But if not, there are, uh, you know, hotlines and stuff that, that you can call. Um, and hopefully you're in therapy if uh, suicidal tendencies is a thing. If not, um, hopefully you will be encouraged to look into that. We've had two major suicides. Oh, well, we have a two suicides in, in that world in the last week. Uh, Chris Cornell, the guy from Soundgarden, mm. um, also killed himself. So uh, 
Yeah, and uh, by you know by all accounts, Chris Cornell was kind of past at least in the public's eyes. He was past the uh, the point in his career where he quote should have committed suicide. You know he he wasn't on drugs. He was clean. Um, he had almost died of several heroin overdoses earlier on in his career when he was a much younger man and uh, stuff like that. But so he was 52 years old and he still killed himself. You know, mm. um, it's, it's something that affects people of all ages. Uh, Robin Williams was nearly 70, I think, yeah. um, when he did it. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it can affect all age ranges. Um, it's a brutal thing uh depression and anxiety um <clears throat> you know and and these are people who are successful by kind of every measure of the term uh that we have and uh there was just there was something that they needed help for that they felt like they couldn't get help for um and uh the truth is you can uh you can um and hopefully you take the steps to do that um, or you're moved to do that by a higher power. Um, that's that's our thought for you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Ryan, do you have anything else? I, I don't, but I echo everything you said, man. Yeah, um, yeah we're going to take a short break. Uh, I might put a couple music clips in there just to make it a little longer than usual. <laughs> um, and I'll be back to, well, we'll be back to talk about Alien Covenant. week i gave you my thoughts we're still kind of trying to figure out the order of the before, before and after, after stuff and <laughs> um yeah. yeah so uh i'm gonna do my after segment on alien covenant now um alien covenant is the sixth alien movie we determined sixth in canon yeah. alien movie uh god people have been correcting me on that all week <laughs> um so obnoxious. <laughs> um, it's the sixth in canon alien movie. Uh, it's the second prequel. It's the third one directed by Ridley Scott. So that means he's directed half of them now, which in 2012 was not the case. He'd only directed one. Um, it was the franchise that launched his career. It was the movie that launched his career, Alien, in 1979. Um, it is my personal favorite horror movie of all time. Um, Prometheus, uh, as I talked about, was kind of a letdown for me. It was much more navel-gazy and philosophical than I wanted it to be, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, there was, it, 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 as bold of a decision as it is, it did not deliver on the promise of Alien. Um, you know, there was barely a xenomorph in it. It's technically called a deacon, uh, which is the creature that we see at the end of the movie. Yeah. So Alien Covenant picks up, I believe, 10 years after the events of Prometheus. Um, And it follows a ship called the Covenant, which is on its way to planet MacGuffin. And (laughs) uh, they are, there's a crew of 200 people. Planet MacGuffin where all the Irish go. (laughs) Oh, 
Welcome to Irlandi. All the Irish and Alfred Hitchcock. Um, <laughs> since he made up the word. Uh, so it, it follows the, the crew of the Covenant um, and... On, on board, they also have, uh, I think it's 200 fetuses, human fetuses, mm. and uh, 5,000 crew members or 2,000 crew members, or 2,000 colonists who are going to go populate planet MacGuffin. Um, that's not the name of the planet, by the way. I just don't remember it. Standing. Uh, they never make it there, so it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. Um, and their ship suffers damage, which wakes the crew up seven years earlier than they need to be woken up. And... Um, they repair the damage and then hear a signal from a nearby planet and they discover that that planet is highly inhabitable and they decide to send a crew down to see what's going on on that planet. What comes to light is that the planet they're on is the engineer planet that David and Elizabeth Shaw set out to find at the end of Prometheus. Oh, okay. Um, what also comes to light is that... Uh, David dropped a ton of the black goo on the engineers and killed them all. When, in this movie? It, or, so or in the interim of time? In the interim of time. So okay. there's kind of a flashback that David says that shows him drop all this... Uh, Wasn't he a head? Yeah, so Elizabeth Shaw repaired him while they were on their way to the engineer plant. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> that happened too. <laughs> um, so... On the, on their so what their story is that Shaw and David left for the engineer planet in the interim. Shaw um, repaired David, gave him a body again. David then dropped a ton of the black goo onto the engineers and killed them all. Um, and then he just started doing gene splicing experiments on these alien creatures that were formed out of the black goo that he dropped on the. Um, on the engineers, uh, and he just kind of started mixing and matching, basically, like making essentially the cocktail that will eventually result in the xenomorph. Okay. And the point he gets to is he gets the ovomorph, the famous alien egg. Yeah. He gets to that point, uh, and ends up testing out the ovomorph on one of the crew members, and we see the very first chestburster. It looks nothing like the original, but it is. It is the closest thing to the xenomorph we've seen okay. um, at this point. We also learn that one of his hosts was Elizabeth Shaw. Oh, uh, so he killed her. He killed her, yeah. Um, How stupid is she? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, I don't know what her whole deal was. Basically, all we see is her... Um, he's got a lot of preserved alien bodies around, and he also has hers preserved, too. Um, so that's basically all we see is her just kind of dead and, like, chest burst open. Like, okay. we don't really know what happened uh, for that to have been a thing. Okay. Although, um, there are, because as a result of the black goo covering the planet, there are little uh, egg-like uh, plants that when they get bothered or stepped on, they release some spores. So it could have been that, too. It could have been... She was a victim of that because I was the first two victims. So that's okay. the that's the plot, the long uh, version of the plot. There's a couple other twists at the end, um, uh, namely that uh, the crew that's with them has an identical looking robot to David named Walter. Uh, David kills Walter and assumes his identity, and that's the big twist at the end of the movie is that they think they're on there with Walter, but actually it's David. Oh, okay. Yep. 
Um, because Alien has always had kind of a nihilistic ending with the exception of the first one. Yeah. Um, the Alien franchise kind of have really cynical, dark, mean endings. It worked for me. I liked it. Um, but, yeah, so that's the plot of the movie. The thoughts about the movie is is okay. Uh, it's definitely Prometheus 2, but with more alien stuff. Uh-huh. It's certainly a movie that tries to have its cake and eat it, too. Uh, Ridley Scott definitely wants to do the more philosophical, uh, philosophical navel-gazy stuff of Prometheus, but he also recognizes, like, maybe we should do some alien stuff in here, too. Uh-huh. Um... It doesn't always work because you can tell Ridley Scott doesn't really care about the alien stuff anymore, mm-hmm. which makes me say, go work out your spiritual stuff in another movie. Yeah. Um, stop making the alien movies about this then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm fine with you exploring those. That's the other thing is it keeps bumping up and the Prometheus had this problem too. Shaw is a Christian in the first one. I don't know if you remember that. No. Um, she wore a cross. Um, she was really one of the things is that she was really bummed out because she was infertile, um, and she wore she she wore a cross, and then she ends by saying that she still chooses to believe in a higher power. Mm-hmm. Um, that's her at the end of the first one. Billy Crudup is in this movie. Um, Billy Crudup is Doctor Manhattan. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, slash the son from Big Fish. He's a really good actor. Turns out he's a crap person. I didn't know that. I was mm. watching Billy Billy Crudup in this movie, and he's pretty good in it until he makes some bad, like dumb horror movie person decisions. Mm. And uh, I was like, man, why isn't he a bigger star? I feel like that guy should be a huge movie star. And it turns out he left his seven month pregnant wife for another woman, um, which was a bad look. People mm-hmm. don't like it when you do that. So yeah. there was some backlash that got, cost him some parts, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's good in it. But he he talks about how he's the only man of faith on the ship. Uh, and how, like, the crew looks at him differently because of that. Uh, he tells David that he saw the devil when he was nine years old. It bumps up against all this, like, religious, spiritual stuff. Biblical. Biblical stuff. But never really goes deep into it. And that's all I wanted the movie to explore thematically because of my religious leanings. Um, Like, that was the set. Like, I was just like, what do you think about that, Ridley Scott? Like, even if I disagree with it, whenever that kind of stuff gets brought up because I'm in that world and I'm interested in it. I like hearing, seeing what people have to say, even if it's wrong. I'm just being like, that's weird, but okay. Like, it it catches my attention, you know, at the very least. When Walter and David meet... um, at the end, they kind of confront each other, and it feels very Cain and Abel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he grabs a rock. Like it, it very much feels like a Cain and Abel thing. It bumps up against that. One of the one of the um, one of the alien creatures that's in uh, David's lab it looks like it's in cruciform. Like there's all this kind of stuff, but it never does anything. With it. It's just like here's this, um, but yeah. it never like does a deep dive into it, and the philosophical stuff it does do a deep dive in like i don't really care about like uh it basically does like what what does it mean to have a creator which is kind of christian stuff but not enough for me to like really give a crap like that creator of death yeah exactly like it does this whole like uh god created man man created god thing but like yeah yeah, but it's like pretty poorly done the movie opens with actually guy pierce is back um 
It ends. So the movie Didn't ends. Die in Prometheus. <laughs> the movie starts before Prometheus. Oh, okay. So the the first scene of the movie is Guy Pierce talking to the newly invented David. Oh, okay. Um, and then it jumps to 10 years after Prometheus. But the movie never tells us that. So if you, like, I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, and I've seen Prometheus. So I can't imagine someone going into this blindly. Um, so, but the first scene is kind of like, we created you. And you have the power to create. Okay. Is like what... Guy Pierce basically tells him, okay. and then something happens in David's android brain that makes him the creator of like death and destruction. But like, I don't care. Like, I didn't care about any of that. Yeah. I cared about them exploring the Cain and Abel relationship between Walter and David. I cared about them exploring like, what do you mean you saw the devil when you were not? Like, you can't just tell people that. Yeah. You can't just say say that and not give us an explanation. So my question, which might be a little bit off topic, but. At the end of Prometheus, you have the first Xeno, well, kind of Xenomorph. So that's called the, the Deacon. That's called the Deacon. Does, mm-hmm. does that make an appearance in Covenant? Or is it referred to? Or, like, what happened to it, essentially? They don't really say. It's just a thing? Yeah, it kind of, so what happens is... It doesn't really show what happened to the Deacon, but when the when the black the the spores from the black egg go into people, yeah, um, it's not just a chestburster. Like you know how the chestburster is, yeah. So the 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 egg the 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 black egg plant that puts the spores into the people isn't. It still isn't the chestburster proper. It's called the neomorph, mm-hmm. and there's like the toddler neomorph and the full grown neomorph. Okay. And it's like the pale white one that you see. Yeah. Um, that one doesn't consistently burst out of the chest. Uh, the first one bursts out of the dude's back, and the second one actually comes out the dude's mouth. Um, yeah. yeah. That's uh, that was the grossest thing in the whole movie. It was actually the only like horror part that I liked when it came out the dude's mouth. That was the only like properly gross thing in the movie and like horrific thing. Um, but more on that in a second. So. Then, so that that is like the result of them dropping the black goo, and then the Ovomorph classic face hugger thing is the result of David doing the experiment. So David created the the xenomorph. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yikes. Yeah, it's real convoluted with the mythos, and then like once the xenomorph in its first form shows up, there's not that sense of tension or dread that mm-hmm. uh, happens. Part of it, I think, is... I mean, it looks cool. It, In theory, it looks cool. It moves cool. I'll say mm-hmm. that. It moves cool. It's a lot faster because it's CGI. Yeah. It's not a guy in a suit. You don't have the, like, when they put the flame on it and it's just like, happy birthday! You know? Yeah. Like, you remember that from <laughs> yeah, the first yeah. episode? Surprise! I remember um, that. <laughs> <laughs> it, do, it doesn't have, like, quite that guy in a suit quality, but it also means it's not as tangible. It actually looks a it it looks like garbage, man. The CGI is so bad in the movie. Yeah. It's real weightless, um, especially the Neomorph. Not so much the Xenomorph, but the Neomorph mm-hmm. when it's a, a little thing. There's a scene where a character, like, kicks it and it hits a wall and it just feels, like, all floaty. Like, it, it just didn't move. Didn't have a gravity to Yeah, it. there wasn't any gravity to it. Mm. The gore is CGI, which means it looks stupid. The blood's too shiny and it mm. moves weird. It doesn't move like a normal liquid or, like... It's almost, like, too heavy and too light all at the same time. Like, yeah. 
I don't know. It, and like, there's gross stuff. Like, it would te- it would technically be gross. Like, when it comes out that dude's back, it takes his spine and brain with it. But wow. like, it's all CGI, so it just like you're. Just, I mean, I know, I know this is gonna sound stupid, but you're not like that happened to that guy. Like, you you definitely know it didn't happen to that yeah. guy. Whereas if it was practical, it'd be like, damn, that looks real. Yeah. Um. And the only reason I think the one coming out of the mouth worked is because it happens more in the dark. Mm-hmm. There's not enough darkness in the movie, I felt like. Mm-hmm. He was too obsessed with, like, we can show it in the light now because it's not a guy in the suit. Mm-hmm. But it takes away any dread from the thing Yeah. Uh, because of that. Also, knowing the origin of it now, like, it takes away some of the mystique from the, from the creature. Yeah. It just... Also, he directs it really lazily. It just, like I said, it, se- it, it almost seems like an afterthought. We're like, okay, here's this for you. Yeah. Like, it seems like the first two thirds are like, that was for me. Here's your bone. You know, it, it, almost, <laughs> it almost seems like looking down its nose at you like, this is what you came for. This is what you really are you want. not entertained? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> to quote his own movie. Um, so that was, yeah. I didn't like that at all. I didn't like any of the alien stuff. I didn't like any of the horror elements except for when it came out the dude's mouth. Uh the CGI was poop made of trash. Like, it was it was so bad. Yeah. Um, but, on the whole, still, uh, it's a better movie than Prometheus. It's more consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more straightforward. It's... The, the cast is more likable, just kind of all around. They do make some stupid decisions, but the, they're much easier to forgive because you like them more. Yeah. Or at least I did. Uh... Danny McBride is pretty good in the movie. Um, he's much better than I thought he was going to be. Yeah. He doesn't... The performance is more of an A for effort than anything. Okay. He tries his hardest. It doesn't always work. Sometimes it does. There's a scene where he has to cry and it's not the best, but he really goes for it. Yeah. And I respected that. Uh, James Franco dies in two seconds... James Franco, I, I don't know why he's, like, I could have been that character. He literally is, so the, the movie starts with them suffering damage to the ship and then it wakes the crew up, right? His character, there's a malfunction in his sleep pod and then it blows up. And that's that. And then there's one GoPro video of him that his wife watches. Maybe he just really wanted to be in the franchise. I, I feel like he just like came to visit the set with Danny McBride and Ridley Scott was like, you want to be this guy? Like, that's what it seemed like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, what in the world? Like, why was that James Franco then? I don't understand. Mm. I don't understand. Um, and he's the captain of the ship, by the way. So he dies immediately, and then Billy Crudup's character has to be the new captain. So that's that actually provides a kind of an interesting character thing for him, yeah. Where he's like trying to kind of be the new captain, but like their old captain is like the guy they want, you know? Like, um, so that stuff is really interesting. But then he gets like annoying about it because that's when he's like, they don't like it because I'm religious, basically. And it's like, well, no, maybe it's because you didn't properly mourn the loss of your captain, dude. Mm. <laughs> um, like, he doesn't give them any time to grieve at yeah. all. He's just like, we got to get this taken care of. Like, the ship's in disrepair. And they're like, uh, our captain just died, man. Like, let us have this for a second. And he's mm. basically like, this isn't a discussion. And uh, 
they just kind of don't do it anyway. Like they just they just kind of have the funeral for James Franco anyway and shoot him out the airlock and like. <laughs> All right, moving on. Yeah, and, well, they like they directly disobey his order of like going to repair the ship first. They like they go and pay tribute to James Franco, shoot him out the airlock, and like uh, drink okay. whiskey in his honor, and then they go and repair the ship. Oh, okay. um, but like Billy Crudup gets like pissed about it for some reason. Um, he's just like, they, they did it the opposite of what I told them to do. And like, his wife is basically like, yeah, man, like, <laughs> stop being a douche. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's really uneven, but it's not as wholly bad as Prometheus is for me. Um, there's some good performances in it. Michael Fassbender is good in both roles. The, the psychosexual horror aspect of it is like really stupid in this one. It's, it's really so, bad. He wants to do how many more? He wants to do six more or five more or something stupid. Now, is uh, all these other ones he's going to do, are they going to be more prequels or is he now going to take place after Alien no, 2? No, prequels. Or? Okay. Are they going to do. I know there was talk for one, a new one that would take the place of Alien 3. Is that still in the works, or is that no, that's a dead project? It's dead. Yeah, oh. that was gonna be from the guy who did District Nine. I was excited for that. one. I know he was gonna bring back Sigourney Weaver and Michael Bean. No, what a shame. No. Yeah, real bad. It's it's there's some re- like when it's good, it's really good, and when it's bad, it's really bad. Yeah, it's just it's just at the extremes. Uh, it's like I said. It's okay. It's I've seen a lot worse. I'm gonna forget it though. Probably by the time I have to see the Mummy, I think is the next thing I have to watch. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just it's it's hard. Uh, Michael Fassbender is really good in it, um, despite having stupid lines like "I'll do the fingering." <laughs> um, he's really good as Walter. He gets better as David. Um, him doing the switch from walter to david when he's acting as walter is really good um i have another high horse but i'll skip it uh the episode's going long and i don't want to edit that much um yeah uh we're gonna transition we're gonna kind of shift the focus of the uh alien talk uh now to something on the high seas still supernatural though um ryan's gonna go see pirates of the caribbean dead men Tell no tales. I think. I'm, I have no idea if that's right. By the way, I might be. I don't know. It's yeah. the newest pirates movie. Yeah, the newest pirates movie. Yeah. Um, but before we do that, to kind of get you guys uh, in the mindset of a high seas adventure, we're going to talk about our top five favorite adventure movies. Arr. So uh, while he's pulling up his list, um, I have two honorable mentions on mine. Um, my first honorable mention is Pirates of the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl. I love that movie. It's so much fun, and Johnny Depp's actually really good in it. He was nominated for an Oscar that year for that role. Um, it's just, it's so good, man. Yeah. Uh, it's really well-paced. It's really, like, the action's really good. Uh, you know, it's it's long, but it doesn't feel like it. It's sweeping. Um, it looks amazing. Like, it's shot really well. Uh, it's just, like, really fun and easy to watch. Um, and my second honorable mention is Up, the Disney movie. Yep. 
Yep. I can get behind that. Yep. Ah, man, I love that movie. Um, it's real good. But it just... One of the most badass old men ever. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it got bumped out of my top five at the last minute, right before we started recording, actually. So, uh, without further ado, Ryan, what is your number five? My number five is an oldie but a goodie and a little bit of an odd one, but I consider it an adventure movie, and that is Muppet Treasure Island with um... Tim Curry, who is amazing as... Uh, Long John Silver, I think. Okay. He's the main baddie. Uh, really fun movie. Uh, you know, Muppets, all the classic humor that you, that you would expect from a, the Muppet people. Things. Yeah. yeah that. Um, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. I remember watching it very fondly as a kid, and it, it was it's based off of uh, the novel, but mm-hmm. Muppetized, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it just for Tim Curry. Like, his performance alone is amazing. I love the songs. He's a really great singer. Yeah. And I love uh, A Pirate's Life for Me. It's not A Pirate's Life for Me. It's this, he sings it at the end. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That great song. I could listen to that all day long. Just because it's so like, oh, makes you want to be a pirate um, with Muppets. Uh, <laughs> anyways, <so laughs> my number, oh, this is going great. My number five. Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah, that's a good one, man. I like that. I know he's not from America, but Tim Curry is a national treasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number five is The Adventures of Robin Hood. That's the 1930s version with Errol Flynn. Ooh, uh, classic. Yeah. Man, that movie is great. I had to watch it in a film class, and I'm so glad I did. It's uh, it's the best version. It's still the best version of that story, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Uh, it's the definition of swashbuckling. Um Especially that very, like, old Hollywood swashbuckling like we talked about with uh, Peter O'Toole's character mm-hmm. from My Favorite Year. It's very much in that vein. It's the the epitome of that, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the sword fights are great. The sword fights are great. Mm-hmm. Um, the archery's cool. The uh, movie's well-regarded as having some of the best sound design in history. It is an all-time classic. And uh, go seek that one out if you haven't seen it, actually. I, I really like that movie a lot. Number four. Number four. My number four uh, is Pirates of the Caribbean, the very first one. There we go. Just a great swashbuckling tale. Uh, it's you know iconic performance with Johnny Depp. I mean, it was it was a crazy new thing. Of course, now we're going into the fifth one. The fifth one. Mm-hmm. So might be a little wearing, um, but that first one, amazing. I remember seeing that. I think I was in. I think I was in high school. I think probably. When that came out, um, just a great fun movie to watch. It's like a perfect. It came out in July, and yeah. it's the perfect kind of summer blockbustery movie. Yeah, yeah, that, that classic kind of fire thing. So yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean is my number four. Yep, uh, my number four. Uh, this one I really want you guys to go seek out. My number four is Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. I knew that was one of your favorites. It's got Jude Law. Yeah, uh, Angelina Jolie. Yeah. And uh, the lady who was married to the lead singer of Coldplay. Gwyneth Gwyneth Paltrow. Paltrow. Sorry, did not mean for that to sound weird. Uh, Yeah. Oh, man, I love that movie. I'm like the one dude who loves that movie. (laughs) What is it about it that you love? I'm farting. That's not... (laughs) (laughs) Fine, I admit it. That was a motorcycle. I think it's a really good, I think it's just like a 1930s radio serial, but as a movie. Okay. Um, it's shot kind of in black and white, which is weird, super weird. 
Um, super weird. I love the aesthetic of it. It's kind of this steampunky, cyberpunky thing. Um, it's got like, it, it just has those really good sensibilities. Uh, another one that I didn't even think about until right now that I'm a big fan of is The Rocketeer. It kind of feels like The Rocketeer. That's a great movie. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. Yep. Um, also, now I'm going to mention. I put a caveat on myself to not do any of the Indiana Jones movies. Uh, with the addition of the Indiana Jones movies, Raiders of the Lost Ark is my number one. But Raiders of the Lost Ark was my number one on a different list, so I didn't want to repeat myself. Um, so I don't know if you followed that provision or not. Uh, no. Okay. Um, so number three, Ryan. My number three is a classic uh, George Lucas and Ron Howard made movie. Mm. A little bit after, I think right, a little bit after A New Hope, and that is Willow. It was a little bit after Empire. I think. Was it after Empire? Okay. Actually, I think it was after Jedi because oh, it, it wow. came out. In, it came out in 1988. The year oh, I was born. okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, great, great movie. Val Kilmer is amazing. Mad Mardigan. Mad Mardigan. Um, uh, oh, who's the guy? That, what's the Warwick Davis? Warwick Davis playing Willow. Great movie. Um, just a classic kind of a fairy tale fantasy adventure. Um, just a great movie. That's one I can put on anytime. Just be. I'm I'm good. Yeah, you know, uh, a lot of fun. Three of the villains named after film critics. Really? Mm-hmm. The evil queen lady. Yeah. Uh, her last name is Kale, uh, which is a nod to Pauline Kale, um, one of the pioneers of film criticism, of written film criticism. Oh. And uh, you know the two-headed dragon. Yeah. Siskel and Ebert. <laughs> so is that George Lucas or Ron <clears throat> Howard poking fun? I'm not sure. I think it was. I don't even think it was poking fun because I know Ebert, at least Ebert and Lucas were on good terms. So yeah. I think, I think Lucas liked at the at the very least at the time liked film criticism, mm-hmm. and so I think it was, it was like more homage. like an homage to his oh, friends okay. in that industry. Not not like a, you guys are evil. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. Okay, I got you. Uh, was that number three? That was number three. Yeah. Okay. My number three is the 1999 Brendan Fraser Mummy movie. Yeah. Man, I love that movie. Um, it's just so much fun to watch, man. Like, that's, I think, the hallmark of a great adventure movie is it has to just be, like, really easy and fun to watch. Uh, and this movie is so much fun to watch. Uh, I remember seeing it in theaters. It was a big part of my childhood. I think that's another hallmark of adventure movies is uh, they're usually big parts of your childhood. Um there's like some great creepy stuff in there, like those bugs are super gross, yeah, the scarabs yeah. that get under the skin. There's some really good jokes. Uh, one of my favorite like comedic beats in all all of uh, uh, in in uh, almost any movie I've seen is when they first open the mummy and like it pops out, and they're like he's still, and they take a beat and they go juicy. <laughs> uh, I, that makes me laugh, man. For some reason, the dude who plays Imhotep is great. Yeah. Uh, is a really good villain. In that movie, um, Brendan Fraser's like super charming in it, yeah. and really like man, I, that leading, I love that leading movie. man in those movies. Yeah, very much so. So yeah. my number three is the Mummy. Nice. Uh, you, I, I had a different movie from number two, but then you said another movie, and that immediately <laughs> went on my list. My number two is the Rocketeer. Okay. Uh, that is a movie I remember very fondly. I grew up watching that. I still watch it to this day. And for Halloween, when I was like. I don't know, eight or nine, I actually dressed up as a rocket. Dope! That's like, awesome. Really ghetto. Like, I had a backpack. I took two soda bottles, wrapped them in two awesome. foil, taped them to the back, made a weird kind of a mask. So, yeah, it's, it's the classic, like, just like what you're talking about uh, with uh, Sky, Sky Captain. Captain. You know, it's that 
you know, ah, it's not not film noir, but that that um, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Style, where, yeah. You know, we have like the old ones like Green, uh, the Green Hornet, the Shadow, mm-hmm. you the know, Phantom, the Phantom, all these crazy um, superheroes before superheroes were a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rocketeer was that, and just a, a great Jennifer Connelly's in that. Yeah, young she is. Jennifer Connelly, and yeah. um, oh, the guy that played. Well, he played a Bond in two movies. Uh, Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton playing the, the German spy. Spoilers. Um, yeah, great movie, Rocketeer. That's just a great no, adventure. I love the Rocketeer. Yeah. Um, my number two is the 2001-2002 version of The Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah. Uh, nothing like the book. Uh, the book is a depressing meditation on what revenge does to a man's soul when it is his only goal. Uh, The Count of Monte Cristo is how it can be kind of cool when that's a thing. Um, It stars Jim Caviezel and Guy Pearce, and it's a revenge tale, um, but it's this kind of great, like, swashbuckling adventure movie uh, with some really fun performances. Jim Caviezel, I love in that role. Uh, Luis Guzman as his right-hand man is awesome in that movie. You have the woman, you have the gold. Bang, bang, bang. I come back a week later. How is this a bad plan? Um, <laughs> that was a phrase we used to use. Yeah. Oh, I still say it all the time, man. <laughs> this is a bad plan. Uh, there's a really great nod to a Douglas Fairbanks senior movie called The Black Pirate in that movie when he has to do the um, um, the knife fight with him on the beach uh, to free him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a nod to a movie called The Black Pirate. Uh, oh okay it's a silent movie actually uh that i got a chance to see at a theater and uh yeah oh man so good um that's my number two kind of monte cristo richard harris is in it and he's Mm -hmm. awesome uh guy pierce is a great villain baby superman is in it that's right Uh, he plays he plays guy pierce's son in the movie but actually uh spoilers jim caviezel's son um maybe daddy yeah oh man i love that movie yeah uh number one my number one uh this is the quintessential uh action adventure movie for me it's one that hits on all the right notes for me it's you know great acting great action just a feel good movie and has one of my favorite tropes in movies which father and son themes ah. and that is indiana jones of the last crusade i figured that was gonna be the one my 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 absolute favorite um Sean Connery is really good in it. The, the, the dynamic between Harrison Ford and him was really great. Um, no a, ticket. No ticket, yeah. <laughs> How'd you know? He talks in her sleep. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's, it's <coughs> such a great movie. I many that's uh, Me and my dad, that's one of the movies that we love watching together. Mm. Just because I grew up watching those movies and We'd always be attracted to, to that one. So, yeah. Last Crusade, my, my number one. The Penitent Man Kneels Before God. Exactly. Yeah. The Penitent Man. Um, oh, although yes. the it does not mention that the penitent man kneels before God and then subersaults past a bunch of saw blades. <laughs> that is not part of the instruction manual. <laughs> Inferred. Uh, my number one. Uh, remember, this is Sands uh, Indiana Jones movies for me because yeah. if so, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. But my not Raiders of the Lost Ark number one movie, uh, number one favorite adventure movie. And it's not just because I am uh, partially uh, connected to this culture, but it is the 1998 Antonio Banderas 
Mask of Zorro. Yeah. I freaking love that movie. That is a great one. Oh my goodness. I, it hits all the notes of like a perfect action adventure movie to me. It's got a great hero uh, who is the inspiration for Batman, my favorite superhero. Um, Antonio Banderas is so good as Zorro. Um, he's the perfect, that's perfect casting. Like there's, it, I mean, it, it's one of those roles that like you almost couldn't, recast it with any other popular Mexican actor from the time yeah. or popular Hispanic actor uh, from the time. Uh, it's got a really good villain. Yeah. Uh, once again, that villain is so like gross and slimy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is awesome in that movie. It makes no sense for Anthony Hopkins to be Mexican in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Irish man playing a Mexican. Yep. Uh, that's a great job. But he's so good at like training him and, Man, that movie is so much fun to watch. I haven't seen that movie in a hot minute, but I need That's to track it down. Movie. Second one was terrible. Yeah, I didn't bother amazing. with it. But first the, one was amazing. It's so good, man. Oh yeah. my gosh. I remember seeing that. My brother took me to see that in the theater the summer it came out. I remember just being like, holy crap, this is awesome. Like, I'm so hype in this movie right now. Like, there's there's just re- that final set piece on the construction site is yeah, really great. There's the like scene. yeah, it, ha- it that does one of my favorite action and, or one of my favorite action sequence tropes, which is there's just kind of like a lot of moving parts. It's almost this mm-hmm. Rube Goldberg machine of action. Um, yeah. For those of you that have seen the Nice Guys, I really like the way that plays out. For the same reason, mm-hmm. it's kind of it's almost this like three tiered action sequence. It's like uh, you know there's stuff going on on the ground, kind of in the middle, and then up high. In the, in the in the thing and like the geography of it is really good and makes sense best I remember yeah um, yeah Antonio Banderas is awesome in the role he's like mm-hmm. really charming but also kind of annoying snarky like, yeah yeah uh, his relationship with his horse is great yeah um, I want you I'll get another horse <laughs> it's stupid though um, <laughs> he's trying to get it so he can jump from the roof he's like psst, psst. hey hey it's stupid though um, <laughs> Man, it's so good. And it's like a great like superhero origin movie. Yeah. Kinda like you get to see the the costume evolve from just the bandana into the hat and like And if I remember he was the first legit Hispanic actor I think to you're play right. the part. I think you're right. I think I it was mean... white guys up to that point. <laughs> um I also did grow up watching the old Zorro show, Disney the old Channel Disney. One? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so the good. old black and white one. Yeah. Um I I was Zorro several times for Halloween as a child. Uh even before really? the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Someone sent me photos of that. Uh, Even before the movie, I was Zorro like at least three or four times. Um, I loved Zorro. I think, I think Zorro needs to make a comeback. I really do. I think there are plans. There are, but it's like future Zorro, which is like, like don't no thank you. Freaking get homeboy that played Cassian to be new Zorro, and I am on board all day (laughs) and all night. I love Zoro, man. I think he's one of the all-time great characters. I uh, Zoro met Django uh, from Django Untrained in some comic books, and I haven't read those books, but that is a great idea. Um, Make that happen, Tarantino. He also showed up in an old comic book series called Masks, Mm. where the Green Hornet, the Shadow. Spider and Zoro all formed a Sweet. team together. Sweet. And they fought evil. It That's was pretty, awesome. Pretty dope. That's awesome. Uh, Zoro does live on through comic books, though. There's an ongoing Zoro comic, uh, I through think. Through Dynamite, yeah. Yeah, through Dynamite. Uh, it's pretty popular, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then there's the miniseries where Zoro and Django did a thing. I think it's nine issues. So mm-hmm. he does have a life, but I think I think you could do a sweet like movie Dude. out of it. Freaking Netflix, pick it up. Like yeah, Netflix, someone. pick up a series. Amazon Prime, come on, oh, let's make it happen. So sweet. Yeah, to have like a super dope like Daredevil. With a sore, yeah, but like Daredevil Zoro show, yeah. yes, please, yeah, that sounds awesome. Just make it eight episodes instead of 15. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's my only request, yeah. uh, yeah, I, th- I think Zoro is due for a comeback. So, um, we're gonna take another short break and we'll be right back to talk about Ryan's expectations for Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales at World's End. Hey, what's a pirate's favorite letter? R. Oh. And we're back. And uh, now Ryan's going to talk to us about uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. His expectations for Pirates of the Caribbean. Dead men tell no tales. I swear I'm getting that right. Uh, <laughs> um, those, yeah. Yeah. Uh, something dead men. They've, dead men's been on like three of them. Yeah. Uh, but so Ryan, you mentioned that the first Pirates of the Caribbean is one of your all time favorites. Mm-hmm. One of your top five favorite adventure movies. Yeah. Um, so a couple questions to lead you into it. One what do you think the appeal of the Pirates franchise is? And two, do you like the sequels, or have you even seen all of them? So, first question, do what? what is the, the appeal? I think the appeal, uh, honestly, is nostalgia for a lot of people, because it is based off of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, which, when the first movie came out, if you had told me that it was... Or not telling me, you know, knowing it was based off a ride, do you think... That is the dumbest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it works because it's fun and it, it knows what it is and it doesn't shy away from that. Uh, I think the appeal, um, beyond nostalgia, beyond like, hey, you know, it's based off a ride, I honestly, is Johnny Depp. I think he's kind of the linchpin of it, but that's also kind of the downfall of it. Yeah. Because, and this will lead into answering what I think of the sequels. I think I like the idea of the sequels because mm-hmm. I like Gore Verbinski. Is mm-hmm. that his name? Uh, I think he's got an interesting way of telling stories. It's very kind of weird and out yeah. there. I think the first one, that was reined in. Mm-hmm. But then he's... I think the deal was probably something along the lines of, if I do more, I get to do more of my stuff. Which is kind of what made it not good. Yeah, so I, don't, the, I don't particularly like Gore yeah. Verbinski's way of storytelling at all. Yeah. Uh, it, wor- like, it works in like... Uh, Rango. Rango. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is a great Verbinski movie. Works really well in that. That movie is great. Because it's off the wall and weird and like what just happened, but it's it's a great movie. Dang, I love Rango. Um, But Pirates 2 and Pirates 3 just... I think someone... I've heard this analysis before. Just too much Johnny. Way too too much. too, Too much of his character and he... And the first one, he was he was cool, but he was a d bag. But yeah. he was an understandable d bag. Yeah, that makes sense. Second and third one, he was just a dick. Yeah, and you kind of didn't like his character anymore. Like there was no more of that charm or that things just kind of happened to him and he reacted. Whereas in the first one, you felt like oh, he's like the Joker in the sense like nothing is things are just happening to him, but he's kind of manipulating it to happen mm-hmm. the way he wants. Yeah, the, because, at least you've heard of me. Yeah, I at least. Was, 
Yeah, you know, because ultimately that's a revenge story, and it all kind of ties together. It's still selfish Mm -hmm. in what he wants, but it all kind of, you buy that he kind of figured everything out Mm -hmm. and did it that way. Second and third one, it just felt like he was just reacting to all the crazy crap and very comedic and just didn't, not that great. And the mythos they tried to build was interesting, but you don't do that kind of a mythos for a blockbuster. Yeah. You do that for an indie movie. If you got the time, like you're talking about with Alien Covenant. If you're going to explore that stuff, do it in a different franchise. <laughs> Don't do that in a major blockbuster. It just doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, two and three. The fourth one, is, I don't even remember the title of the fourth one. I don't one. either. I can't. I know Eva Longoria is in it. I, am I correct? think maybe. Um, I don't know what else she's been in. She's, I think she was in that movie with Ben Stiller. Uh, then uh, um, Ben... Man, I'm terrible at this. Uh, anyways, uh, fourth one was our was all right. I think it still suffered from uh, on Stranger Tides. On Stranger Tides, yes. Uh, so Penelope the... Cruz is who you're thinking. Okay, of. who's Eva Longoria? Uh, she was from Desperate Housewives. Oh, wow! I don't know actresses. Anyways, Penelope Cruz. Um, yeah, so she was in it. Um, yeah, the fourth one wasn't that great. Um, did you see the fourth one? I did. I actually saw it in theaters. Okay, I haven't seen that one. It looked like a soft, a soft reboot because mm-hmm. you didn't have the Turner characters, didn't have Keira Knightley in it. Uh, you still had uh, Barbosa. Barbosa was still in it, but as a captain of a English fleet or whatever. And you had that one actor who's really great who played Blackbeard. Uh, uh, Ian McShane. Yeah, Ian McShane. Love that actor. Great actor. Um, just don't know their names. <laughs> um, but the fourth one was a letdown because it just really painted him more as a schmuck and just wasn't that great. So, going into this fifth one, mm-hmm. based off the trailers I've seen thus far, I actually have kind of high hopes that this one will actually be will be good. I know that Orlando Bloom is coming back. I don't know how is big or, Yeah, I don't know how big or small his role will be in it, but I'm kind of glad they're maybe tying him into it i my theory is that the young man in the trailer is probably orlando bloom's son because at the end of the third one they alluded that or they showed that he had a son so mm-hmm. i have a feeling that the young the young kid will be his son and then they've got a new actress young actress coming in to play the miss swan type character and i think they've, they've they're kind of going back to the original formula well but with still some of the classic guys going in um, I really like the main actor who's going to be the villain. Javier Bardem. Yeah, I think that plot is interesting to me. Looks like they're going to explore a bit of Jack's origin and kind of, I guess, how he got the compass uh, originally. Um, so all that to say, I, I'm, I'm optimistic because um, hopefully they'll do a good job with it. But if it's not that great i won't be like butthurt about it will you be surprised no <laughs> yeah. I, I i'm i'm going into this into this with the same mindset i had with guardians guardians could have flopped or been amazing for me i loved it i thought it was really really good um pirates i th- i hope it's really good it looks fun but if it's not um oh well hopefully that all makes sense yeah it does um well, my expectations are pretty. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, hoping it's good, but it, it could 
go anyway. Cause I don't, I don't even know who the directors are. I saw videos like, oh, it yeah. looks like uh, brothers or something <clears throat> like that. Uh, I know, um, Yoshim Ronning and Espen Sandberg. Yeah. What Whoa. else have they done? Whoa. Uh, golly, man. Are they indie dudes? Or? Yeah, I think so. Oh, they did two episodes of that Marco Polo um, Netflix series. Oh, okay. Um, they also they also did a movie called Banditas uh, from 2006, which came out while I was working at Hollywood Video. I remember seeing the cover for it, and it looked terrible. Um, but it looks like they do they did a lot of Swedish television. Okay, so <clears throat> Pirates of the Caribbean, clearly the next step. Yep. Uh, did you know that this man is going to be in it? Paul McCarthy? Cartney? Pardon me? Why? No idea. Oh, wow. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Has Paul McCartney been a good actor before? I mean, he's good in those Beatles movies. Yeah. Like, he's great in Hard Day's Night. He's maybe, freaking maybe, hilarious in that movie. He might be his uncle or something, because that would tie in with a kind of rock star um Family tree. Yeah, because Keith, Keith, Keith Richards, Richards plays his dad and he yeah. based his performance off Keith Richards. So maybe that'll be his uncle or something. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. My, my expectations are, are in check. Yeah. But I think it'll be fun. I do think it looks better than the fourth one. Yes. I think, I think so. And I think they hopefully, like I said, will have the formula of not so much Jack. Mm-hmm. He looks more likable in yeah. this one. And I think that's because he's got the young Ward again. He he's got a young Orlando Bloom type character with him. Yeah. And I think that's I think this movie is being called like a, another soft reboot, but mm-hmm. not rebooting the whole thing, which is what four was supposed to be. But I don't think that one did particularly well. Yeah. Um, but this one, it seems like they're kind of going back to form and very much going back to formula because they got the young impressionable guy going along with this crazy adventure with a pirate you got a young woman i'm sure who will be very similar to elizabeth swan yeah. and then you've got the creepy undead pirates chasing them down yeah that does actually now sound yeah like, wow like a carbon copy of holy the first movie. crap so they're probably gonna force uh force awakens this probably yeah to wow. a certain extent yeah uh but also ghost shark that's right there's a ghost shark in it there are several based on the posters yeah. Um, there's only one in the trailer, but there's several in the on the posters. So yeah. I'm down. I'm down with Ghost Shark. <laughs> uh, hashtag Ghost Shark. Uh, let's make it happen. Um, Josh, if you're listening, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> that was an inside joke from another podcast that I did. Yeah, I think that'll do it. It's a oh, man. This is gonna be a bear to edit. We recorded for over an hour and a half. Yeah, uh, you can find me on the internet at mjsmith891. You can find my writing at wordofthenerd.com. And uh, KeithLovesMovies.com. I just reviewed Alien Covenant over there. So if you want to see a written review that actually comes off like I liked the movie a little bit more than I did in this review, uh, you can you can go read that. I also gave it a six and a half out of ten, which is kind of high, uh, based on if you if you take my audio from here. Let's see what else. Uh, you can find me at MJSmith891. I said that. Uh, there's a big one. Real World Theology. I was on their podcast again. Real World Theology. That's R-E-E-L. Get it? Uh, World Theology. <laughs> um, on on the internets uh, and on Facebook. Uh, find them. Join their group. It's a, a Christian uh, movie website. Um, not a mo- 
website about Christian movies, but a website about viewing all movies through a Christian lens. I was on their podcast with Aaron White from the Feel and Film podcast uh, uh, and Mikey Fissel, the guy who runs Real World Theology, to talk about um, Passengers, the Chris Pratt, Jennifer Lawrence movie, Passengers. Uh, I probably sound like garbage on it because it was the height of my sickness. Yeah, so you can find that at Real World Theology or on my Twitter at MJSmith891, like I plugged before. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, any RSS pull-in app thing that you have on your Android phone. You can find us on YouTube, uh, specifically me and Michael Moray uh, at Real Perspective. That's R-E-E-L, Perspective. Get it? (laughs) Um, This week we're talking about Johnny Depp. And whether or not he's good, um, uh, I think there is an argument for and an argument against. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're we're gonna do a deep dive on that and uh, a depth dive on that. And uh, dive, dive, dive. Yeah, we'll be back next week uh, to hear what Ryan has to say about a Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Dead Men Shackle. <laughs> and uh, I almost said Alien Covenant. Um, and uh, I'm going to do before... Oh, crap. Do I have to see The Mummy? Is it The Mummy? Uh, is The Mummy next week? Uh, is it? Oh, gosh. Let's see. What am I going to do with the before episode on? It's... Oh, no. We're going to be joined by Alexis Johnson. Uh, that's right, Wonder Woman. That's right, so talk about Wonder Woman. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Alexis is sweet, uh, but you'll meet her next week. Um, and yeah, uh, until next time, go watch what we do in the shadows. I know I will again! <laughs>